Tennessee has a massive month of October on the schedule this year and two games to kick off that month at LSU. And then, of course, the third Saturday in October. We're going to preview those games right here on your scouting reports, Monday edition, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, happy Monday and welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, your go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast each and every day. Locked On Vols, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is your team every single day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and making Locked On Vols your first listen. Of course, your first watch right here on the YouTube channel. And please subscribe and follow us on the YouTube channel. Uh, thanks to our friends over at Talking Vols and Boogie. We have had a massive uh, subscriber increase over the last week. We gained about 100 subs, so... We are well within reach, just a little over two, uh, we'll call it about a buck fifty away from getting 3,000 before kickoff. That's our goal. 3,000 YouTube subscribers uh, before September 1st, Ball State kickoff. So big thanks to Boogie and Talking Balls for helping us out last week, but we got more work to do. So let's get to it. Please subscribe on the YouTube channel. Got a fun show today. Uh, Monday, getting back into our scouting reports, taking a look at LSU, taking a look at Alabama. Uh, we've got some uh, roster movements that we need to discuss in segment number three as well. And, uh, of course, we got Twitter Tuesday coming up tomorrow. Your questions, concerns, comments, whatever you have, underscore Kaner and at LockedOnVols. Shoot me a DM. Uh, tweet me. You can uh, go to my Facebook uh, page. That's at Kaner on air. Uh, let me know any questions you may have, and we'll spend however long we need to on tomorrow's show, Tuesday's show, uh, for that mailbag edition. Let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so last week we began this uh, mini-series, our scouting reports. We took a look at Ball State. We took a look at Pittsburgh, Akron, and then Florida. And now let's go ahead and kick off. After the Florida game, Tennessee has its off week. And it's, um, I forgot, somebody uh, somebody mentioned, you know, is there any worry in, in having uh, the the off week, the bye week so early in the se season? I say yes. I mean, that is that is very early after four games to have a bye week. Tennessee will leave LSU, or excuse me, Tennessee will leave the Florida game uh, at home. And gosh, my volume's jumping all over the place. I apologize there. Uh, Tennessee will leave the Florida game at home, and then it will have an off week before going up to LSU uh, after the off week on October the let's see October the eighth. So from there, it's a it's a really tough stretch for the University of Tennessee as it uh, will kick off a month of October that is really really gruesome. Uh, so you will go to LSU following the off week. That is October the 8th. Uh, time and television destination is to be determined. It's the uh, fifth game of the season, week number six of the uh, of the year. And, of course, it's on the road, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at Death Valley. It'll be Tennessee's second road game of the season. As I mentioned, that month of October, it starts. And, of course, Florida's not going to be a gimme whatsoever. Of course, in this series, it never is a gimme. And, of course, the way Tennessee's played against Florida here of recent um, absolutely, that's going to be a tough game. So really, you can say it's a six-game stretch, you know, going back before uh, the off week. But uh, Tennessee kicks off the month of October with LSU, a five-game stretch for the Volunteers. That's pretty it's pretty deadly, right? At LSU, come home against Alabama. Then you have UT Martin, that's your breather, uh, Kentucky, and then at Georgia. So that's it's a pretty tough stretch here uh, midway through SEC play, and uh, it all starts with Florida or, as we're talking about today, here at LSU. Um Head coach Brian Kelly, brand new season for LSU, a new beginning, two years removed 
uh, from being 15-0 and and being national champions. That is LSU. Of course, 6-7 and last season under Ed Ogeron. He was, they parted ways. Essentially, he was uh, run out of town. And uh, all this after winning a national championship and uh, just two years removed, right, uh, from that incredible season, uh, you know, after last year with Joe Burrow and whatnot and all that good stuff. So uh, quite the contrast in, it just it takes a couple of years, right? Wasn't one year removed, it was a couple of years uh, from LSU winning a national championship. Uh, lost to Kansas State 42-20 to uh, forty-two to 20 with only 39 scholarship players uh, in that Texas Bowl. So once the head coaching change was made, and of course everybody sits out of bowl games nowadays and transferring and opt-outs and all that type of stuff, uh, LSU was so shorthanded, didn't have any quarterbacks on the roster, that it had a wide receiver press into action playing quarterback, and it lost 42-20 to 20, uh, in the Texas Bowl. You guys remember that. That was major-type headlines. And to add on insult to injury, you know, here in camp, uh, an experienced guy, a veteran guy that's been at LSU for quite some time, Miles Brennan, fifth-year quarterback, he was essentially told he was not going to be the starting quarterback, and he up and left, quit on the team. You know, he says, hey, my football career's over. Um, I think that is pretty soft. That is very soft. I don't know Miles Brennan. I don't know his situation. I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries. I know he's been a guy that's been around a long time. But for you to pretty much know you're not going to be the starting quarterback and to step aside and quit on your team, that is soft, but no surprise in the society we're in today. But quarterback J- transfer Jaden Daniels of, of uh, Arizona State, likely to be the guy. He and Garrett uh, Nussmeyer are continuing to battle it out. But Jaden Daniels has experience. He threw for 2,300 yards last season, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 65% completion percentage, which is kind of surprising. 65% completion percentage, yet he had 10 interceptions. That goes to show me that he probably made a lot of bad decisions um, just with the football in his hands. Also a threat on the ground, nearly 400 yards rushing in 2021. Of course, I mentioned that's Jaden Daniels' stats. Um, His counterpart, his competition here for the rest of camp, leading up to week one, is going to be retro freshman Garrett Nussmeyer. Four games last fall, 329 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, only 51% completion percentage. He was a highly rated four-star quarterback out of high school, was Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, You have a new offensive line, or excuse me, a new offensive coordinator, obviously new head coach with Brian Kelly, uh, new offensive coordinator, bringing him from Cincinnati, and that guy is named Mike Dembrock. And this is an offense last season that really struggled to score points and struggled to run the football. I mean, it was a disaster for LSU in 2021. Let's be real. 26.5 points per game. That was 12th in the SEC. They averaged only 113 yards on the ground. Oh, my goodness. That is atrocious. That's 11th in the SEC and averaged 3.3 yards per rush. Um, That is not the LSU team that we're used to seeing. Uh, Couldn't score points. Couldn't run the football in 2021. But uh, they'll have somebody by the name of Jaden Daniels and or Garrett Nussmeyer under center this year. But they'll have Keyshawn Boutte to throw it to. And that's a, it's a pretty skilled guy to throw it to. Of course, he's been lauded a couple of preseason All-American lists, All-SEC in the preseason, all that. Junior wide receiver Keyshawn Boutte. Last year in only six games, get this, 38 receptions, 509 yards, and nine touchdowns in six games. So you know the talent level there in Keyshawn Boutte. Tennessee will have... Uh, it's hands full with that secondary in week six of the season against LSU. They also returned senior wide receiver Dre Jenkins, not as dynamic, but still 34 receptions last year, 502 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, for a team that really struggled to run the football, 
Uh, you know, you bring back a senior running back in John Emery. Uh, he didn't play last year. Maybe that was a reason for it a little bit. He didn't play last year out with injury. But in 2020, he had 75 attempts, 378 yards, and three touchdowns. You do bring back three offensive linemen, uh, three starters on the offensive linemen, uh, on the offensive line, excuse me, from 2021. You add ETSU transfer Traymond Shorts. But this is still an offensive line that gave up 38 sacks. That is 12th in the SEC. Actually, I'll give you a little teaser for our next segment when we talk about Alabama. LSU was 12th in the SEC with 38 sacks. Alabama was 13th in the SEC and giving up, I want to say, 44 sacks, which is just, or 42 sacks, that's right, which was not good. And it's kind of surprising when you think of Alabama, but Bryce Young, all you know, is able to you know, cover a, a lot of those warts on the offensive line. And then last in the SEC last year was Tennessee, of course, and we know that. So uh, you bring back experience on the offensive line, but it's a team that didn't score a whole lot of points. And it's a team that gave up a ton of sacks, and it's a team that couldn't run the football. So they've got to get better up front. Uh, the defense in 2021, pretty good against the run, about middle of the pack in the SEC, seventh, 140 yards rushing per game given up. They had 38 sacks. That was fourth in the SEC, so they got after it defensively a little bit. And, of course, uh, 237 yards through the air is what they surrendered. That's 11 in the SEC. Not a very good tally. So good against the run, good getting after the quarterback, but not good at defending the pass was uh, the defense for LSU in 2021. They bring back a uh, star player on defense, first-team All-American preseason, all that, and more edge rusher, B.J. Ojolari. Seven and a half sacks a season ago and 11 and a half tackles for loss. Big man up front in the interior, Mason Smith, five sacks as a freshman last season. Linebacker, they bring back Minka uh, Brasvervik. I think that's how you say his name. Baskerville, excuse me. I can't read my own writing. That is Baskerville is what they bring back in the middle on defense. Leading tackler from a season ago, 83 tackles, non-TFLs. They also bring back Mike Jones Jr. Uh, in the linebacking room as well. Safety, Dre Ward, 69 tackles, two interceptions. He's one of the uh, star players, really one of the only players returning in that LSU secondary. Remember, they were horrible against the pass in 2021, and they lost a whole lot of people. So you bring back Jay Ward, who's one of the only ones, but they bring in an influx of a lot of transfers uh, to compete for spots in that secondary this year. Two transfers from Arkansas, Joe uh, Foucha, who had 75 tackles in 2021, and Greg Brooks, who was a three-year starter uh, for Arkansas and had 48 tackles a season ago. So two safeties from Arkansas have transferred in. And then they brought in three cornerbacks. Uh, Saban Banks, 15 starts at Ohio State over his career. You have in uh, Mitch Gardner, 19 starts at Louisiana throughout, throughout his career. And Jarek Bernard Converse, 47 straight starts at Oklahoma State. So they brought in three corners, two safeties to try to uh, revamp that talent in the secondary and try to be much better in defending the pass in 2022. And of course, you don't have Derek Stingley Jr., who uh, missed a whole lot of time for LSU last year. But of course, ginormous talent can play safety, but of course, as a cornerback as well, number three overall pick to the Houston Texans. So that's a look at LSU, a team that in 2021 very much underachieved. Horrible against the pass, good against the run, good at getting after the quarterback on defense. On offense, couldn't score points, couldn't protect the quarterback, couldn't run the football, um, but they do have some weapons around. You have a coach in Brian Kelly that is an absolute scumbag disgrace of a human being. I will never back down from that hill. Um, just a horrible, horrible person. Scumbag Brian Kelly, but a good football coach. And because he's a good football coach, he will turn LSU around. I don't know if it'll be this year, 
But there's some talent on that roster. I don't think LSU is going to be as bad as a lot of people think LSU will be. And that's why I think it's going to be an incredible challenge for Tennessee uh, the week after the bye to go down to Baton Rouge. It's going to be either an afternoon game or a night game, likely, and play a football game down there. It's going to be a challenge. I mean, it really, really is. And as we talk about toughest opponents and most important games, you know, this is one that's high up there on both. I think this could be a loss for the University of Tennessee, but we'll have to see. Um, there's talent on that roster. You have a good coach, and you have a quarterback that's got a ton of experience in Jaden Daniels, who will likely get the call, of course, as uh, kickoff rolls uh, a little closer here over the course of the next two weeks. We will see exactly who will be uh, that quarterback for LSU. But there's your scouting report. It's LSU the first week after the bye, week six of the season, game number five, and it kicks off an incredible stretch for the University of Tennessee. Uh, for a, a really, really tough month of October and beyond. So that's LSU. Let's take a look at the top-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide as our scouting report series continues right here on Locked On Balls. BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events for the number one source for odds, lines, and games. That is at BetOnline.net. Find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL. It's about to start again, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. That's happening every single weekend. I mentioned the NFL. Hey, preseason's going on right now, and you can win some money on preseason as well. BetOnline.net continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They have got you covered. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about all the latest trends and all the action happening right now. BetOnline.net, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Balls your first team every, your first listen every single day. The Ultimate College Football Previews here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, the Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season right here in one spot. Search for the Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Locked On Balls, your go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Each and every day, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Uh, don't forget Twitter Tuesdays coming up tomorrow. Your questions, comments, concerns at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. We took a look at LSU in segment number one of today's show. Scouting report, we truck on to uh, Tuscaloosa to take a look at the Alabama Crimson Tide. Of course, that game is going to be right here in Knoxville this season. Uh, but the third Saturday in October means a lot to every Tennessee football fan, means a lot to every single Alabama Crimson Tide fan. It's one of the most uh, storied rivalries in all college football. It's been completely one-sided of late. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you uh, that Tennessee has lost uh, uh, the last, uh, if I can find it here, uh, Tennessee's lost the last 15 straight in the series, and as I will tell you that, but uh, I don't have to tell you that. Tennessee's lost 15 in a row in this series. Last UT win came back in 2006, 16-13 victory in Knoxville. Um, it just is what it is, but this game, Josh Heupel trying to bring Tennessee back into a relevance in this series, trying to bring Tennessee back into uh, a true rival for Alabama 
because it hasn't been the last decade plus. We'll see what happens. Third Saturday in October. It means it means so much. It means uh, across all college football. Everyone knows that knows what that means. The third Saturday in October. That is Tennessee and Alabama. This year, it comes on October 15th, very early in the month. But remember, the 1st of October is actually a Saturday, uh, and that is when Tennessee has its off week. Game number six of the season, week number seven of the year. Uh, it's going to be a TBD on television and time, of course. Uh, head coach Nick Saban, 183-25 and 25 at Alabama. Just incredible when you sit, down, sit back and think about it. Last season, Alabama went 13-2. and two. They lost to Georgia in the national championship game, but they did win the SEC championship. They returned the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, and that is Bryce Young. 4,872 yards passing in 2021 for Bryce Young. 47 touchdowns, 7 interceptions just as a sophomore. Pretty impressive. Um, his top two targets, however, Jamison Williams, number 12 overall to the Lions. John Mechie, number 44 overall to the Houston Texans. Those two accounted for 56% of Bryce Young's yards through the air and nearly half of his touchdowns passing. Isn't that pretty incredible? But again, how many times have we seen Alabama? They are reloading, reloading, reloading. Nick Saban said when the transfer portal waiver started to lax a little bit, he said, hey, teams like Alabama will benefit from this the most. You might not like uh, Nick Saban. I know we made fun of him whenever him and Jimbo Fisher had that spat because, again, it was all Nick, Nick Saban's fault. You don't have to like him. You can hate him. It is what it is. But he, when he opens his mouth, usually it's good things coming out in terms of the, the sport of college football. The guy knows what he's talking about, and he's been completely right about that because you brought in Jamison Williams, who was incredible. Of course, you had John Mechie. Uh, those two guys are gone. Counted for nearly half of both passing yards and touchdown, touchdown passes for Bryce Young last year. But now you bring in Jermaine Burton, a very highly rated four-star prospect coming out of high school, went to Georgia for two years, wasn't a stub. It was pretty solid, 53 receptions, 901 yards, and eight touchdowns with Georgia last year and Setson Bennett throwing him the football. So they're bringing in Jermaine Burton and hoping he can blossom under Nick Saban and uh, that Alabama offense. Also, you bring in running back Jameer Gibbs former Georgia Tech standouts, an all-purpose back. In fact, he is voted uh, by the media as a first-team all-purpose back uh, here in um, uh, entering the new season. Last year at Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, 143, yard, 143 attempts on the ground, 746 yards, 5.2 yards per carry at Georgia Tech. Also, he had 36 receptions for 470 yards. Again, he can do a little bit of everything out of the backfield. Jeremy Pruitt really, really liked Jameer Gibbs, but wanted to make him a defensive back, just like he did Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor and Trayvon Flowers. Jameer Gibbs wanted to play uh, running back, so he went to Georgia Tech, and now he's at the University of Alabama. I also bring back Alabama does running backs Roy Dale Williams, who had 48 attempts for 284 yards last season, and Jace McLennan, who had 40 attempts for 191 yards last season. They will back up Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. Uh, I mentioned this earlier in segment number one when talking about LSU's offensive line. It's kind of surprising, right? But Alabama's offensive line gave up 42 sacks. That was an SEC worst outside of Tennessee. You had LSU that was 12th, Alabama that was 13th, and 14th was the University of Tennessee and sacks given up on the season in 2021. And this is with losing Evan Neal, who went number seven overall in the draft. So they lost a, a top 10 draft pick at offensive tackle as well. Um, but this offensive line does return three starters. Uh, they were not a horrible unit. They just gave up a lot of sacks. And, of course, when you have a Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young, he can cover up a lot of those, those mistakes. 
So this offense lost a lot, but going to be just fine. You bring back the most, the best player in the country, arguably, arguably with the guy I'm about to mention here in a moment. And I bet you know where I'm going with this. And um, you, you add a solid receiver in Jermaine Burton. You had an impact player at running back in Jameer Gibbs. Three starters on the offensive line. You bring back your tight end. I mean, Alabama's going to do what Alabama does, likely, and it's just going to it's just going to pick up right where I left off. We'll have to see. Um, Nick Saban did call Alabama last year a reloading year, a rebuilding year, but the difference in where they are rebuilding, where everybody else in the country is rebuilding, is pretty magnificent, and where Georgia might be rebuilding this year because they lost so much on, on defense. Let's go to uh, the defensive side of the football and look at what Alabama brings back. Of course, if Bryce Young is not the best player in the country, Will Anderson Jr. is, of course, 17.5 sacks in 2021. That led the SEC. The next closest um, sack getter in the SEC had 10 sacks, and Will Anderson Jr. had 17.5 off the edge. Will Anderson Jr. had 34 tackles behind the line of scrimmage, 34 TFLs. That led the SEC. The next closest was 14. The next closest had 14 TFLs, and he had 34. And this guy was not, not in New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation. Just criminal, criminal. Arguably one of the best defensive seasons ever in the history of college football, and he was not a Heisman finalist. But Aiden Hutchinson had a big game on national television against a big rival, and he's in, in New York. It's just, again, just ridiculous. Uh, of course, Tennessee fans know this name, Henry Tool to a linebacker. He led the team with 112 tackles. Last season, he returns for his senior season. Uh, you've got safety Jordan Battle, who's coming back. 85 tackles last year, had three interceptions. And uh, Brian Branch locked down that star position last year. He'll be back for a second year of starting. Cornerbacks, um, former five-star Kool-Aid McKinstry is there. They brought in Eli Ricks from LSU, who's a very impactful player that SEC fans know about, and also have Kyrie Jackson in the defensive secondary. So uh, to put matters in perspective, and, and again, this is, uh, you know, by the media and whatnot, and so, you know, take it for what it is, but this was at SEC Media Days. Um, all SEC offensive players voted to the preseason all-conference team uh, from Alabama at SEC Media Days. Bryce Young, first team. Jameer Gibbs, first team. Jermaine Burton, first team. Emil Ekior, first team. That's an offensive lineman. Second team, tied in Cameron Latou. Uh, second team, Javion Cohen, offensive lineman. Third team, Tyler Steen, who transferred from Vanderbilt, an offensive tackle. And Kendall Randolph, also to the third team, an offensive lineman as well. Also, Jameer Gibbs voted as the first team all-purpose back. Um, and you had Will Richards, who's the kicker, voted by the media as the first team kicker. Uh, you had JoJo Earl, a third-team return specialist, also voted in there. You go look at the defense. Will Anderson Jr., first team. Henry Tuoltuo, first team. Jordan Battle, first team. Eli Ricks, first team. Defensive lineman DJ Dale, second team. Linebacker Dallas Turner, second team. Justin Eborje, third team, defensive lineman. Kool-Aid McKinstry, third team. And Malachi Moore, third team. Both of those defensive backs. So, Alabama, well-represented, as it always is on the preseason All-SEC team. 13-2 uh, last year, lost in the national championship game to uh, Stetson Bennett in Georgia, but did beat Stetson Bennett and Georgia in the SEC championship just a month prior. So we'll see. Can Alabama and LSU go wire-to-wires 1-2 and two, uh, in college football this year? That's kind of the talk right now. It all starts with Alabama. They'll be tested in Week 2 against Quinn Ewers and the, the new starting quarterback of the Texas Longhorns. We'll see how they fare in that game, but – um, we'll probably, you know, it's going to be a tough challenge for Tennessee. Let's see if Tennessee can obviously 
make it competitive. Let's see if Tennessee can make it a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Tennessee went down there and played hard and, and made it a game for uh, pretty much three and a half quarters last year. Uh, can Tennessee avoid blowout? Can Tennessee make things interesting? And who knows? Can Tennessee win this football game? We will find out on the third Saturday in October. But that is your scouting report for the Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, and the Alabama football team. All right. Got to uh, talk about some roster movement for the University of Tennessee to conclude our Monday show. That's coming up next. Stay tuned as Locked On Vols carries on. We got a final segment left here of our Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Your first listen, your first watch each and every single day. Don't forget, guys, Twitter Tuesday is coming up tomorrow. Your questions, comments, concerns at underscore Kaner at Locked On Vols at Kaner on air on the Facebook page. All those DMs are open and waiting on you guys. All right, so by now you know that Lynn J. Dixon is no longer a part of the University of Tennessee's football team. Former Clemson running back Lynn J. Dixon, former West Virginia running back Lynn J. Dixon. Now he is former Tennessee running back Lynn J. Dixon. Uh, came on at the very end of July, visited, met with the staff, was here day four or five of camp, practice a couple of times and then had an ankle injury. He was bogged down a little bit. Never really did much at camp, to be completely honest. But Tennessee needed a running back. Tennessee needed a body. And so they took a flyer on Lynn J. Dixon, who was available and has an extremely high upside. Um, played on some really good Clemson teams uh, throughout his career and played in some big-time football games early in his career as well. So I don't blame Tennessee for taking a flyer on Lynn J. Dixon to seeing if, seeing if he could just come in and help. But you bring him in and you know he never really had a, a good opportunity uh to, to get out there you know on the football field because uh you know he was he was bogged down by some injuries uh throughout uh, his short short tenure here at the University of Tennessee wasn't a good fit and again you're trying you're trying to make it work right you're trying to make it work because you have such a need Lenith Whitehead um you know was out at the beginning of the camp you know that news was was that he was going to miss the season before camp even started. And then even before Lenith Whitehead, there was a need because you only had five scholarship running backs. Then that puts you down to four. And so you're just trying to help add to your roster, trying to add to your roster and trying to you know protect yourself, give yourself some depth because it is a long, grueling uh, schedule in the SEC. As we saw last year, a walk-on running back was getting big-time carries in big-time football games. That's just not good enough for Tennessee. That's why Tennessee was trying to add throughout the offseason at the running back position. So that's why Tennessee took a flyer on Lynn J. Dixon. Just didn't work out. Wasn't a good fit. Wasn't a good fit at all. Um, I think that's because he was late to begin with, because he missed so much at camp, uh, because he barely got any work in, to be completely honest. He kind of saw that he was not going to be a factor. And nowhere... Uh, you know, nowhere in the in the in the meantime was he going to be a factor uh, soon, at least. And so I think that it was just kind of decided uh, that he would just exit the program, and, th and that's kind of where it was. So no Lynn J. Dixon on the Tennessee football team any longer. I said that it would be a stretch; it would take him a while to kind of learn. But if he could, if he could buy in, if he could learn the offense, that he would have to be counted on one hundred percent. He was going to have to be counted on just out of pure necessity. But now he's no more. Now he's no more. Tennessee back down. The four scholarship running backs, and that is not the best situation to be in, to be completely honest with you. You got Jabari Small, who's had a great camp, but as we know, durability is an issue there. You have Jalen Wright, who has put on a, a lot of weight, a good weight in the offseason, but has barely taken part, has barely took part in any fall camp, hasn't been hit hardly at all, still limited even right now. We'll have to see how much action he'll get in uh, week one against Ball State if he gets in any at all, right? Um, 
And then you have two freshmen. You have Dylan Sampson, who's had a really, really strong camp, but just got here in June and has never played an SEC football game and is about 180 pounds or so. He's not a very big guy. Then you have Justin Williams-Thomas, who uh, is a big guy, who does look the part, but is still just a true freshman. Both those guys are going to have to play some big, big-time snaps for the University of Tennessee this year. But what happens if Tennessee runs through four running backs? If Tennessee gets down to you know week five, week six of the season, and you only have two of those four scholarship running backs available? Well, you're going to have to see some walk-ons step up and play a little bit. Um, you're, you might have to see some other guys move around. You might have to see a, a tight end line up in the backfield. We've seen that before. You might have to see a tight end take a handoff out of the backfield in short yardage situations. I mean, you you might have to see that. We'll have to see. Tennessee's going to have to get creative. Maybe they rely more on the pass and just kind of only go to the run when they absolutely have to. We will have to see, but not an ideal situation. But really, Tennessee's just kind of been rolling with it all camp long. They've been down a running back or two all camp long. And they just continued to roll through it and practice and practice and practice and, you know, make make no issue out of it. I expect that's what Tennessee will do this year. So Lynn J. Dixon, no longer part of the Tennessee football team, Tennessee down to four scholarship running backs. It is what it is. And that is absolutely going to be a pressing need in the transfer portal uh, to kind of help come in. Will Stallings currently committed to play running back in this class. You, of course, you've got Cam Selden who can play running back in this class. And Tennessee is going to try to add one out of the transfer portal no matter what because you just need more bodies in that room. Um, I like the guys they have in that room. I do. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, and and I think Justin Williams-Thomas is going to be a stud one day, even though I think Dylan Sampson is, is farther along than he is right now. And that's funny because uh, Justin Williams-Thomas got here in January. But uh, I think he will be fine. I think he'll be a stud, and I think he'll be a really, really good running back at this level. Uh, maybe that'll happen at some point this year, but he'll have to play as will Dylan Sampson, as will those other guys. Not the best situation to be in, not the end of the world, but uh, Tennessee will make do as Lynn J. Dixon has left the Tennessee football team. All right, that will do it here for a Monday edition of Locked on Vols. Can't thank you enough uh, for choosing to hang out with us here. You can be uh, elected to do literally anything with your time, but whether you're in the office, in the cubicle, on your way to work, uh, on a run, on a walk, walking the dogs, whatever the case may be, sitting at your desk, doing some work, but have the tab open to Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel. You're hanging out with us, so I really, really do appreciate that. Please subscribe on YouTube. Let's keep that push going strong. Send me your, send me in your Twitter Tuesday questions for tomorrow's show at underscore Kaner, at Locked On Balls, and at uh, Kaner on Air on the Facebook page. And um, as always, subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcast. Guys, thanks so much. Can't th- uh, can't thank you enough again for hanging out with us today. Check out Locked On SEC if you're bored with Chris Gordy. Tons of great interviews as the SEC football season getting closer and closer. We'll do it again tomorrow, same time, same place. Pull up a chair, and we'll talk again on Tuesday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody.